we began last week a series of messages called Good to Know. We uh, use that phrase a lot. In fact, I'm, I'm pretty certain that a dozen times this week, either I said it or somebody said it to me, that's good to know. There's a couple of times I think of that people have said, well, that would have been good to know. What we're trying to do in these messages is kind of get out in front of those would have been good to know moments and put us in a position where we were saying, that's good to know. That's a lot of those good to know moments are not that important. It's not that big a deal. I mean, if I find out today or you find out today that the Buy one lipstick, get two uh, free, uh, ends Friday, that's not that big a deal, all right? Now, some of you are like, if you know where that deal is, that's a big deal. I need to know right now. Uh, it's not, I, I don't wear lipstick, but I've bought a lot. And um, with uh, two daughters and uh, my wife. But it's, it's really not that big a deal if you're just saying, well, that's, that's good to know. Now, if, you're, if your tongue starts tingling and your lips start swelling and you look at a person and you say, was there nuts in this um, smoothie? I'm allergic to it. I'm about to die in your restaurant. You would be in a position where you said, that would have been good to know. That's important. That's a big deal. Um, some things, though, are even bigger because eternity is hanging in the balance or life decisions are hanging in the balance how we live this life are really there in a place of decision some of you have decisions to make and you would say it would be good to know what God's will is about this decision in my life some of you face temptation this afternoon and you would say it would be good to know how I could win against this temptation your roommate may begin talking to you late one night about some struggles they're having with gender identity and you'd say you know what it's it would be good to know how to have that conversation you may have a son that says to you I'm not sure there's a reason to live and you say it'd be good to know how to talk to my son about purpose in life you may be weighing the curriculum for a third grade class and you'd say it would be good to know what I need to weigh and consider in God's eyes when to make decisions about this curriculum you may have been given a diagnosis of a terminal illness you say it'd be good to know what will happen to me when I die these are kind of some of the things that we'll be dealing with over these weeks and talking about. We'll, we're going to look at, it's, it's good to know how to win against temptation. It's, it's good to know what will happen to us when we die. It's good to know that there's a heaven and a hell. It's good to know what Jesus has done, what he's doing, and what he will do. Last week we began this series where I believe is really the most critical point to, to begin and in kind of a systematic way, we're just stacking these messages together 
to put us in a place where we're saying those things are good to know for this life. We began last week by talking about that the Bible is the Word of God and it can be trusted. My hope is, is that we walk away from that message and we'd say, that's good to know. That strengthens my faith. It helps me in conversations. When I get in an environment where somebody says, you really believe the Bible? I'm able to say, well, it's funny you ask because I just learned some things that are good to know about the Bible. And that message would be helpful to you as we journey on through this series. You could listen to last week's message at Watkinsville.org, or you can go to YouTube and call it Watkinsville First Baptist and find that message. I want to encourage you to do that because it would put you in a position to continue to uh, wed these messages together. But let me, because it's so critical, just highlight these nine reasons that we said the Bible can be trusted. Well, we believe it's God's Word. Number one, and I'll say these too fast to write them down, but I want this, I want this hanging over the room of of how we believe the Bible is true and trustworthy. Number one, because the Bible's because of the Bible's claims about itself. The Bible claims to be true. Number two, the claims of Jesus, the one who never did anything wrong, who lived a sinless life. He faced the greatest enemy of life and death, was buried and rose back to life, defeating death. Jesus himself believed that the word of God was true and trustworthy. Number three, the durability of the word. It's not last year's top seller. The Bible, God's word, has endured over time and will continue to endure through eternity. Number four, the impact of the word on lives. Just uh, today in Colquitt's baptism, he talked about how he just began to read the word and how God worked on his life. And you see the fruit of that even this morning. Number five, the accuracy of the word. In relationship to history and science, the Bible is found to be accurate. Number six, how the book reads me. So many times when you open the Bible and you say, I'm, I'm reading the Bible this morning, you come away and you'll say, actually, it feels like the Bible's reading me. It knows who I am. It knows how, how, where my needs are, what I'm looking for. And number seven, because of the unity of the Bible. Things grab us at different times that help us. And this, this particular thing, the unity of the Bible, has been something so strengthening to me over the last few weeks in thinking about God's Word. And just think about this. Here's, here's the book, the Bible. 66 books, Old Testament, New Testament together, written over 1,500 years by 40 different authors in three different languages on three different continents. All with, as Adrian Rogers says, one message, redemption, one hero, Jesus, one enemy, Satan, and one goal, the glory of God. And this, the unity of the Bible is a beautiful picture of why the word can be trusted. And number eight, fulfilled prophecy. You find it page after page, Old Testament, just predictions and then hundreds of years Later, you find in the New Testament those exact prophecies fulfilled. It's always just that, you know, just one. It's always fascinating to me the, the prophecy that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And then you get to the New Testament some 400 years later and see the Messiah, Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem. Fulfilled prophecy. 
And then number nine, I think, just ties it all together for me, and it's generational discipleship, and that is the people that I've trusted over the years are telling me the truth, believe the Bible's true, and it just helps me from generation to generation. You could trace back to show that the Bible is God's word. Now, having said that, what's the sequence? We believe that the Bible is God's word and can be trusted, then what's next? What, what's next? The Bible's true and can be trusted. What's next is saying, well, what does the Bible say? What does God's word say? Where does God's word speak? And so we're saying the Bible is God's word and can be trusted. Therefore, what does God's word say? And if we're going to find out what God's word says, let's go to the very first page of the very first book and the very first sentence of God's word. Would you open your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 1? Genesis chapter 1. And today I want to speak to you on the topic of it's good to know that God created us in his image. It's good to know that God created us in his image. And I want to make the argument with you today that God uniquely created us. God uniquely created you. God uniquely created humanity. Every one of us, every person that you will come in contact with today, God uniquely, God's unique creation is on display. I'm going to give you four or five ways that this unique creation by God is demonstrated all around us and in us and through us. Number one, he uniquely created us and demonstrated that by uniquely celebrating us. You are, God has uniquely celebrated us. Now let's look at Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, you have this flow of creation. You have a sequence of things that happen. First day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day. I'm not sure how you mark in your Bible. You may have uh, a, a rainbow of highlighters that you use in a lot of different ways for different things. I'm just a circle, brackets, underline guy, all right? And when I look at my Bible on Genesis chapter 1, I see that uh, I have uh, circles around each day. And so first day, circled. Second day, circled. Third day, circled. Fourth day, circled. Fifth day, circled. I always think I'm going to wind up on some game show one day, and the question will be, Russell, what did God create on the fourth day? And I'm just, y'all fire me as your pastor because I couldn't answer that question. But I just, it, it, we mark it, and, and each day, what did God do each day? Well, in, in our study of creation this morning, it's, we're not going to debate creation. We're not talking about gap theories or old earth, new earth intelligent design I'm coming at our message this morning with this narrow thought and belief that God's word is God's word and it's trustworthy and God speaks here in his word and he says it says God created and I believe God created 
And and this first phrase, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if we can believe and hold on to that miracle by faith, then the rest of the Bible just falls right in line. And when you get to the create, when you get to Jesus' resurrection, you say, I already believe that God created it all. I believe that that same God can raise Jesus back to life. And you get to promises of Jesus coming back one day. You say, I believe that God created it all. I believe that Jesus will come back one day. And in this sequence, first day, let there be light. Second day, let there be the heavens. Third day, let the earth sprout vegetation. Fourth day, let there be lights. Fifth day, he brought about all the things that swim in the waters and fly in the air. And then there's the sixth day. And look here in Genesis chapter 6, verse 24. And God said, and we're talking about the sixth day now. It says, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds livestock and creeping things and beasts of the air according to their kinds and it was so and God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind and God saw that it was good then God said let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that it is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Now, these verses teach me that we are uniquely celebrated by God as humanity. So what do you mean? Well, the sequence. That's the first thing, the sequence. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. And you see him building his creation and placing and hanging the lights and putting things in the water and putting things in the air. Then you see him creating the livestock and the creeping things. I look at that and I see this sequence. Day six. Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock. That's the day that he made the cows. It's the day that he made the horses. It's the day that he made the pigs. He made the livestock. And then creeping things. Now, this is the one piece of creation that when I get to heaven, I need to talk to him about. All right? And he says that it was good. And I just want to argue with that. All right? I I don't know of anything that falls in the category of creeping things that I'm excited about, all right? It's just one of those things. It just just sounds too much like snakes to me, and and it's just not exciting to me. But he did it. It's a purpose. But then he says, then God said, let us make man, same day, in our image, after our likeness. 
And the picture of just the impact of sequence that you see him building to a particular time, to a particular event. And on this last day before he rested, the last thing he made was humanity. Here's the third thing. The description of the creation of man points to God's celebration over the creation of humanity. He, he says in verse 27, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. It's the only time in the, in the story of creation where he restates again and again and again uh, the particular creation. Long time studiers of the word, commentators talk about, they, they believe there is a connection between the thrice holy God and the three times of stating humanity being created. And it's, it's here, God, it says, so God created man. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And you think about God who's described as one who is holy, holy, holy. And then matched with that, the creator who is holy, 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 looks at humanity and says, created, created, created. And it is a definite marker of celebration in his creation of what he's done in creating humanity. Please don't hear me saying that that's equal to God being holy, holy, but it's a relationship between God and his holiness and his work of creation. No other part of creation is celebrated in that way. There's never a time in creation where it says he made the lights and then uh, you see the lights, he made the lights and God in great creativity made the lights. It's saved for the celebration of his creation of humanity on the sixth day. Number two, we see the uniqueness of creation, not only in his celebration of humanity, we see his unique creation in that we are uniquely connected. We are uniquely connected to God. And when he says, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. Back in verse 26, let us make man in our own image in our image, after our likeness. You see this unique connection with God that no other part of creation has. Even with the other living things, he doesn't speak of the livestock or the creeping things or the birds of the air or the fish of the sea as being created in his image or in his likeness. There's a unique connection between God and humanity. And this statement of in our image and after our likeness reflects who God is. And it reflects who we are as those created by him. I think about these verses. Uh, it's not the only place this is stated. Multiple times throughout scripture you see the testimony that humanity has been created in the image of God. And the likeness of God. Genesis chapter 5 states this again. Genesis chapter 8 states this again. In Genesis 8, it's tied to laws regarding murder. And the law that was given describing murder as wrong is based on the fact that man or mankind was created in the image of God. 
And there are at least a hundred verses across Old Testament and New Testament that make some reference to this picture of us being connected to God in the fact that we're created in his image and in his likeness. Now, how does that show up? How are you sitting here today bearing the image of God? How are you sitting in this room right now, regardless of age or race, education, language, how are you bearing the likeness of God? Uh, it's, it's, it's been a topic of, of great study and probably millions of pages of writing. We bring it down to you today into four ways. Four ways that we are bearing the image of God and the likeness of God. I'm helped by Alistair Begg with this. Uh, let me give you these four ways. We bear the image of God by being, number one, rational. Number two, creative. Number three, moral. And number four, immortal. Let me talk about these. We bear the image of God. We bear the likeness of God as created humanity in that we, we, we have about our being that we are rational people. Now, the, when I say that, there's probably people all over this room that have some thinking right now where I know somebody that's not very rational. And there are moments in all of our lives that we are demonstrate we're not rational. In fact, what we'll do is we'll look at a person and we'll say, listen, you're not being rational. And in that is actually the evidence of what I'm talking about. Because there's an expectation that as humans, we're rational people. And regardless of where we're coming from, we would say we have the ability to do what? To weigh things out. To make sense of things. To take this and take this and pull away this and add this and come up with something that seems rational. And listen, stay with me. It is the difference between us and animals. When God says, let us make, a, in our, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, that's not what he said about livestock or creeping things. It's what separates you from your dog, all right? Pastor, are you really going to go there? Maybe it'd be, it might be easier for a lot of us. It's what separates you from your cat, okay? Maybe that would be easier for some. Um, you, you see, there's a difference between animal instinct and human rationality animals have instinct they get hungry eat they see the person that feeds them they bark they have animal instinct humans have rationality there's never been a time where my dog our dog who I feed in the mornings Sometimes before the sun up, sun's up, there's never been a time where my dog has walked to his food bowl and ate it, stopped, 
and thought to himself, I'm going to save some of that for this afternoon because he's not going to be back home and I'm going to get hungry. So I'm just going to slide that over to the side and I'll finish that this afternoon. Never done that. Now he's taken a bite of it and, and thought, that's the cheap stuff, right? <laughs> Humans are, are rational. We bear the image of God. A second way it shows up is creative. Our creator made us. We reflect him by ourselves being creative. We, we travel all over the world. We pay millions of dollars to go see things that what? People have made Buildings that people built. Statues that people have carved. We're, we're creative. We come up with things. I've never seen... <laughs> I've never come... My, my dog has never wallpapered his doghouse. Alright? He, he's just not creative. Birds, by instinct, they build a nest. And we know the birds because of the certain kinds of nests they build. We, we are creative. We build brick houses and wooden houses. Stucco houses. Steel houses. Houses that look like spaceships. Houses that fit the neighborhood. Houses that don't fit the neighborhood. We're creative. We're moral. Humanity's moral. So, Pastor William, we often refer to this as having a sense of conscience. Humanity has some understanding of what is right and what is wrong. That's why we have laws. We have laws to show people what's right, what's wrong. They understand. We have culture. We look around and there's this sense of this is right, this is wrong. There, there is a conscience. Now, that conscience can be seared. That conscience can be damaged. You think about it. It doesn't matter who. There's some sense of right, wrong. Sense of evil, good. I, I think about this. I, 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 I don't know if it's just limited to me or if it's actually something that's just North Alabama or this would be true for you. I'm scared to say it. Did any of you grow up? We, I grew up with this phrase. I knew exactly what it meant. A guy would get mad in class. He'd get upset, and he's going to fight you. It'd usually be over a girl. It, it, it just, it was, it, but here's what the guy would say. Meet me after school at the water tower, and we'll settle this. Did anybody else ever meet at the water? Is that just North Alabama, or is that universal? I don't know. Meet me at the water tower, and we'll settle this after school. Think about this. Here's a guy that wants to fight. He wants to black your eye. He wants to knock you out. He wants to show you who's strong. But he says to you, not here in the class. That wouldn't be right. But I'll meet you outside after class at the proper place for fighting. What is that? It's some sense of there's some right and wrong. Even if what you're going to do is wrong. We bear the image of God as rational, creative, moral. And here's the last thing, we're immortal. And that is built into every one of us is eternity. 
The Bible says that two things last forever, the word of God and the souls of man. And every person born, every person created by God is created with eternity in view. The souls of man last forever. And we bear that as a reflection of eternal God. We're uniquely connected. Number three, we're uniquely commanded. We see the uniqueness of creation, of humanity, and that we were uniquely commanded. Now, there is verses here that say to the birds and the fish to be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth, but it ends right there. When you get to the be fruitful and multiply verse for humanity, it says be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, and there is a unique commandment. Subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. It doesn't stop there. Look in verse 15 of chapter 2. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. We're uniquely celebrated. We're uniquely connected. We're uniquely commanded. And you see the handiwork of God and the plans of God in that he gives to humanity boundaries. He, he shows what is right and he shows what is wrong and he shows the result and the impact if you cross those boundaries. We're uniquely commanded. Number four, uh, we're, won't labor this very long at all, but we're uniquely companioned. In chapter 2, you see that he looks at man, and when he is telling him to give, him, to give the animals names, he looked at the man, he says, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. I'll make a helper fit for him. We're uniquely companioned. Now, this is, it, it shows us that built into humanity is this need for relationship. It's not good for us to be alone. This is not a, a verse that is evidence that every single person in the world will have either a husband or a wife, you take the whole counsel of Scripture and you see that the Bible teaches that the end all of end all is not a person having a husband or having a wife, but you do see this picture here that humanity is created for relationship, not built to be alone. What are the ramifications of this unique creation? And we're going to bring this to a close here. Ramifications of this unique creation. A creation that is celebrated, a creation that is connected, a creation that is commanded, a creation that is companioned. Here are the ramifications, at least three. Number one, this explains the value of all humanity. Listen. Why is every race, every color, every IQ, every age valuable to God, therefore should be valuable to us? Because every uniquely created human being bears the image and likeness of God. 
And regardless of our prejudice, regardless of our likes or dislikes or preferences, saved or lost, we have in the creation story the explanation of the value of all humanity. Number two, it expresses a distinct design for humanity. And you see that when God created humanity, he said he made them male and female. It expresses a distinct design for humanity. And number three, it establishes the purpose of humanity. The purpose of humanity. Do you know one thing that the created always does if it's doing it right. The created always reflects on the creator. You pick up a computer, you know by looking at that computer if it's an Apple product or another brand. It reflects on the creator. Look at cars. You can identify those cars and you know, hey, I know that is a, because it reflects on the creator. We go to a lot of weddings, different kinds of events. I was thinking this week, we go to weddings and we walk by the cake table. I always know, oh, those are Cecilia cakes. It may be lemon, they may be strawberry, they may be key lime. But you know, that's a Cecilia cake. And with us, as humanity, we may be different colors, we may be different educations, we may have different IQs, we may have different ages, we may have different jobs. But being created in the image of God establishes for every single one of us a purpose. And that purpose is to reflect on the creator. We say that by the phrase, to bring glory to God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Creation establishes the purpose of humanity. And so what we do is, as, as the world comes around us and we're living in the world, we have questions that come up related to so many different issues. What about abortion? What about gender? What about marriage? What about euthanasia? And you just go on down the list with cultural issues in our day and I would offer to you this morning that where we start and having godly wisdom in those issues is to realize that the value of all humanity whether it's from conception to death every age every color every stage we know the value of life because of who created us and whose image we bear we have a purpose bringing glory to God. Now, 
want to say to all you in the room, none of you are an accident. None of you are an accident. You may look at your life and say, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what, what happened and why I'm in this place or in this town or I, why I was even born. When you look at the creation story, you see that a sovereign God with his design and his plan knows exactly what he's doing. One last thing I'll say, and we're going to address this more next week. As his unique creation, we are also uniquely corrupted. In Genesis chapter 3, it tells about the fall of humanity and how we crossed the boundaries and we broke his commands. And it began this rescue story that's told about in the word. And if you don't make it back next Sunday, I want to tell you there's good news. For every one of those people, every person created that is valuable in God's eyes, he's not willing that any of you would perish. But he made a way that you could be saved from your sin. And the rest of God's word tells us that he sent his son Jesus to die to bear your sin on a cross and pay for your sin and satisfy his wrath. He was buried and he rose again on the third day, guaranteeing who he is and verifying for us if our faith is in him, we too will live forever with God. And you could today call out to Jesus to save you and forgive you. And restore a relationship with God that was separated by your sin. Father, we bow before you today, and I pray today in this room, if there's any values in our life that needs to be shaped and moved and transformed by what we see in creation, unique creation of humanity, Holy Spirit, would you do that work? Go beyond anything that I could do in this moment. Lord, if there's anyone here today that needs a Savior, I pray they'd call out to you now and be saved. We praise you, Lord. I pray that you would help us, give us strength, Lord, to reflect glory to you as you've made us to be. In Jesus' name.